Hello, friends. It's the 31st day of the month of March. Here in New England, we often refer to the month of March as coming in like a lion and going out like a lamb. Well, no matter what the weather is like in your part of the world, we are enjoying fellowship together through this Bible reading, and we are beholding the lion and the lamb, as the Lord Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb of God. And we need not fear that he will leave us or forsake us at the end of the month. He promised that he would go with us even to the end of the age. And I don't know about you, but I'm especially grateful for the promise of his presence. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. Today is day 90 of our journey through the Bible. It has been encouraging to hear from those of you from different parts of the world who have been with us from day one, January 1st. Well done. We are being well-fed, life-giving truth as we read through the scriptures together, and only 275 days left. Think of it. You will have completed reading through the entire Bible once and the book of Psalms twice by December 31st. We are following the one-year Bible, and this year we are reading the English Standard Version, uh, published by Tyndale. You can purchase a one-year Bible at a nearby bookstore, and you can also read the Bible online at the oneyearbible.com website. You can also bookmark that and have it on your phone. If you like a written copy with illustrations of our commentary that accompanies each reading, you can subscribe at our website at newlife.org, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. We are in chapter 16 of the book of Deuteronomy today, and once again we'll be reading about the Passover feast. This is an important reminder for the generations of Israelites to remember where their help came from, their deliverance from the bondage they had in Egypt. We have also seen how the Passover foreshadows the great deliverance that Jesus would accomplish at the cross. And we learn from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that Christ Jesus is our Passover. Deuteronomy 16. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. No leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the flesh that you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain all night until morning. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it. There you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall cook it and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. For six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. The Feast of Weeks You shall count seven weeks. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. Then you shall keep the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand, 
which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are among you, at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. The Feast of Booths. You shall keep the Feast of Booths seven days, when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your winepress. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you will be altogether joyful. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. Justice. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Forbidden Forms of Worship You shall not plant any tree as an ashra beside the altar of the Lord your God that you shall make, and you shall not set up a pillar which the Lord your God hates. Chapter 17 You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish, any defect whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. If there is found among you, within any of your towns, that the Lord your God is giving you, a man or woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, in transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods, and worshipped them, or the sun, or the moon, or any of the host of heaven, which I have forbidden, and it is told you, and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently, and if it is true, and certain, that such an abomination has been done in Israel, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has done this evil thing, and you shall stone that man or woman to death with stones. On the evidence of two witnesses, or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. The hand of the witnesses shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Legal Decisions by Priests and Judges If any case arises requiring decision between one kind of homicide and another, one kind of legal right and another, or one kind of assault and another, any case within your towns that is too difficult for you, then you shall arise and go up to the place that the Lord your God will choose, and you shall come to the Levitical priests and to judge who is in office in those days, and you shall consult them, and they shall declare to you the decision. Then you shall do according to what they declare to you from that place that the Lord will choose, 
and you shall be careful to do according to all that they direct you, according to the instructions that they give you, and according to the decision which they pronounce to you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside from the verdict that they declare to you, either to the right hand or to the left. The man who acts presumptuously by not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. So you shall purge the evil from Israel. And all the people shall hear and fear and not act presumptuously again. Laws Concerning Israel's Kings When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers shall you set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, You shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law, approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament portion in the book of Deuteronomy. You may have noticed that today's reading underscores the importance of reading the Bible daily. We are introduced to the law regarding kings. Moses predicts the time when Israel will give in to king envy. During the time of the prophet Samuel, the people of the covenant preferred to have a king like all the other nations around them rather than the king of the universe. Here again we have an example of there being both a will of command and a permissive will in the sovereign will of God. God had expressed his desire for a covenant relationship with Israel in which he would be their God and they would be his people. He was to reign over them in all things, but they rejected his will. God's permissive will is based on what is foreknown of their future rejection of his will of command pertaining to kings, which will come to pass in the time of the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Therefore, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, God gives laws that will help Israel to see that his original plan for the kingdom of God will not be thwarted by their disobedience. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 15 through 17. In this section of Deuteronomy, Moses is given laws for the anointed offices of king, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 to 20, priest, in Deuteronomy 18, verses 1 to 12, and prophet, Deuteronomy 18, 14 to 27. These three offices will be combined in the Messiah, the Anointed One, who will restore the kingdom of God to man. According to the law, the king should have the word with him always. Deuteronomy 17.19 This prophetic picture will be fulfilled in the one who embodies the word and has made the word with him at all times, the word made flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14-18 through 18. 
The priest will stand and minister in the Lord's name always. Deuteronomy 18.5 This prophecy is fulfilled by Jesus, whose ministry is not limited to a number of days, because he ministers in the power of an incorruptible, indestructible, endless life. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3 and verse 17. The prophet will be one to whom all are to listen and to whom all will one day be held accountable. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 19, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and John chapter 5, verse 25 to 30. The New Testament will make clear, with the witness of God the Father himself, how Jesus is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 19, the prophet like unto Moses, to whom all are commanded to listen, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The king is commanded to write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll. This was not something as easy as pressing a print command on a computer. He is commanded to read it all the days of his life. Deuteronomy 17, verse 19. This was not a command for the priest, but for the head of the state, the king. The five stated benefits for this daily intake of God's written word were 1. That he might learn to fear the Lord his God, that is, to have a heart of worship. 2. That he might put into practice all the words of this law and these statutes, that he might have a heart of obedience. 3. That his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, that is, he would have a heart of humility. 4 that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, that is, that he would have a heart of discernment, and five, that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel, that he would have a heart of peaceful assurance. There is a great benefit to reading the word, hearing the word, writing the word, meditating upon it, discussing it, and practicing it with fresh obedience. The priests were to hold the king accountable for writing a copy of the word having it with him, and reading it all the days of his life. A future king, David, wrote in the Psalms, Your word have I treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 11. Later we will see how King David, Solomon, and others failed to keep the law of kings. However, there is a king who takes these laws to heart. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ, will fulfill the law of kings perfectly. Our reading today and Psalm 72 relates well to the subject of the king's relationship to the word of God. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted with justice. Psalm 72, verses 1 through 2. Other highlights from today's reading in the New Testament are God's command to celebrate joyfully. God wants to have his children joyful, and we need to know where our joy comes from. The feasts of the Lord remind us of this. The three seasons of celebration highlight three great reasons for rejoicing. First, there's the spring festivals, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, which represent the finished work of Christ in his first coming. Then there are the harvest festivals, that's Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, we have the autumn festivals, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles representing our blessed hope, the second coming of Christ. These feasts are designed to prompt their memory with the joys of their experience of redemption, provision, and a divinely ordained destiny 
a hope, and a future. Our joy comes from the one who purged us from the leaven of Adam's sin and was sacrificed as our Passover. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Jesus was raised from the dead on the day after the Sabbath that followed the Passover, the Feast of Firstfruits. Our joy comes from the Holy Spirit. We rejoice that our salvation is mediated to us by the Holy Spirit. He regenerates us, sanctifies us, and when that sanctification is completed at the return of Christ, He will glorify us. The Feast of Pentecost is Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, coming seven weeks, that is a week of weeks, or 49 days after the Feast of Firstfruits, Resurrection Sunday. It was a celebration of the ingathering of the early barley harvest, the first fruit of what was sown in the earth. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 10 to 11, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. We died in Adam, we are risen in Christ. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Shavuot also commemorated the giving of the law at Sinai and the laws to leave crops for the poor and foreigners, that is, the Gentiles. How fitting that the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost to write the law of God on our hearts and to extend the gospel to the nations. And how fitting that Jews read the book of Ruth on this feast, as she is a Gentile brought into the covenant promises at the time of harvest. Our joy comes from the Father who has ordained a plan for redemption, a new creation and glorious consummation. The autumn festivals give us reason to rejoice in the hope of the gospel, the second coming of Christ, the Feast of Trumpets, that is the summoning of the saints to reign with Christ, the Day of Atonement, the appearance of the Lamb who was slain to satisfy the claims of justice and God's heart of mercy, and the Feast of Tabernacles. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. It is important again to note the repetition of the phrase, In the place the Lord your God chooses. We have already learned that this phrase points to Christ crucified, risen, and glorified. It is important to remember that Yahweh Jireh was a name given to a geographical place. It is not specifically the name of God, but a place named by God which contains His name. It was the place of the altar where the father, that is Abraham, would place his son, Isaac, as a self-sacrificial offering of obedience given in faith of God's power to raise him from the dead in order to fulfill His promise to bring forth a nation. Genesis 22, verses 1-14 through 14. It is the place of which God had told him. Genesis 22, verse 9 It is the place where God Himself will provide the Lamb. In Genesis 22, verse 8 God speaks to Abraham of one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Genesis 22, verse 3 Throughout the Bible, God tells of this mountain, the place where Abraham offered Isaac, from that time named Yahweh-Jireh, is the same place that David purchased for the temple, the threshing floor of Arona, in 2 Samuel chapter 24. It is the same place where God Himself would provide the sacrifice of His Son upon the altar, as Jesus is crucified on Golgotha, the place of the skull, on Mount Calvary. 
the place the Lord would choose to establish His name, in Deuteronomy 16, verse 5 and 11, would be on the mountains of Moriah. Moriah literally means, scene of God. We might translate it, center stage. God has the gospel on center stage throughout the Bible. It is there that we learn of Jesus Christ and His cross and the gift of the Holy Spirit given at Jerusalem, the city on the hill. It is there that Jesus Christ will return as the trumpet sounds, as Israel looks upon the one who was pierced and repents. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. It is there that Jesus will establish his kingdom. In 628 B.C., when Josiah discovered the book of Deuteronomy and read these passages, he was convicted of his sin. In deep repentance, he puts into practice these laws. 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 1 to 25. King Josiah called for the celebration of the Passover in his 18th year of rule. Surely such a Passover had not been celebrated from the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and of the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was observed to the Lord in Jerusalem. 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 22-23 to 23. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. 2 Kings 23, verse 25. The laws of God call for justice. People are to be guaranteed a fair trial with established witnesses with testimonies determined to be reliable. No one is to be put to death on the evidence of only a single witness. Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. To help ensure that correct verdicts are rendered, appeals can be made to the appointed Levitical priest or judge. The terms of the verdict are to be declared from the place which the Lord chooses. We should seek to reflect the mind of God's chosen one, the Lord Jesus, in all of our decisions. And now let's go to our New Testament reading in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 7 through 27. Luke 9, verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. And he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, They followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? 
And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This concludes today's reading from the New Testament. Jesus was becoming a hot topic of discussion, even in palaces. Herod the Tetrarch was concerned that he had another John the Baptist on his hands and made efforts to see him. Luke chapter 9, verse 9. Jesus continues to preach about the kingdom of God and fulfills the messianic prophecies by curing those who had need of healing. Once again, Jesus and his disciples are faced with the problem of what to do with the crowd, who by this time, late in the afternoon, would be needing food and perhaps lodging. Jesus challenges the disciples to give the people something to eat. In verse 13, other gospel accounts bring out that Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but was testing the disciples. They took into account what food they had at hand, five loaves and two fish, and what was in the treasury, two hundred denarii but they knew it was insufficient to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Jesus takes the existing supply of five loaves and two fish, and he looks to heaven. He blesses them with thanksgiving and breaks them. A previously non-existent supply is created. God has a way to meet the need. Christ. It makes no difference the amount of people in the crowd, money in the kitty, or food at hand. Obey Christ, and the will of God will be done. The seating of the crowds in groups of fifty remind us of Pentecost and communities of the Holy Spirit. God has a plan to meet our needs, and that plan is to gather us into local churches where His miraculous provisions can be administered if we adopt a position of rest, seated in smaller companies, assured of our position in Christ, and our provisions coming from His hand. Satisfaction is the result felt by all. There is even enough left over for take-home bags for each of the twelve disciples. The turning point in the ministry of Jesus takes place at Caesarea Philippi. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 18 to 27, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 13 to 28, and Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 27 to 38. The Father gives his disciples more revelation as to Jesus being the Christ, the anointed king, priest, prophet, the Son of the living God, in Luke chapter 9, verse 20. Jesus postpones all go and tell commands till after his resurrection. The disciples hear about the cross, but they were not able to understand it. In Luke 9, verse 22. How true that is in our lives. Until the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our heart's understanding, we cannot begin to comprehend the cross or the kingdom of God. Jesus gives this statement that underscores the fact that it is only through identification with Christ and his finished work on the cross, accepting our death in his, that we have life. 
we must relinquish our old life in Adam with its insistence on self-redemption, self-advancement, self-self-self. If we attempt to preserve this life, we will lose out on real life, which is fellowship with God. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Luke 9, verse 23 to 25, New American Standard Bible. Jesus says that there are some among the hearers who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Jesus is pointing to the experience of regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to see and enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 5. And now our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 72. And reading today's psalm will be Peter Healy. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all the kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From the oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May the gold of Sheba be given to him. May the prayers be made for him continually and blessing invoked for him all the day. May there be an abundance of grain in the land, and the tops of the mountain may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. May the people blossom in the cities like the grass of the fields. May his name endure forever. His fame continues as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Yes, indeed. That concludes the second book of Psalms. Psalm 72 ends with the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So we had the first book of Psalms, That's Psalm 1 through Psalm 41. Then the second book of Psalms began with Psalm 42 and went right through to this psalm, Psalm 72. The psalm looks beyond the son of David, Solomon, to the greater son of David, Jesus Christ, 
who will judge his people in righteousness. Psalm 72, verse 2. The apostles in the New Testament proclaimed that the resurrection of Jesus Christ signaled him out as the one who will judge the world in righteousness. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. That's the Apostle Paul preaching at Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. In the poetic imagery of the prophets and the Psalms, mountains and hills are often symbols of government. May your mountains bring peace. The kingdom of God is first established in righteousness through the cross of Christ, and then brings peace first to the heart. His salvation crushes the oppressors of the afflicted. It crushes the world, the flesh, and the devil. Verse 11 describes this king as the king of all kings. Let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. His reign is one of compassion in verse 12 through 14. And he will both be blessed and bring blessing in verses 15 through 16. The psalm closes with a wonderful doxology. And blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Now let's go to the book of Proverbs. We're reading now from Proverbs chapter 12, verses 8 through 9. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. A modern paraphrase puts it this way. A person who talks sense is honored. Airheads, however, are held in contempt. Better to be ordinary and work for a living than act important and starve in the process. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, King of the universe, we give thanks for graciously making yourself known through the servant king, the Lord Jesus Christ. In him we see the kingdom, your kingdom, manifested. Through Him we have access into the kingdom, and by Your Spirit we enter it and cooperate with Your rule. May the law of kings be lived out in us by the power of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, we confess You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank You for taking up the cross and being obedient, even to laying down Your life to pay our sin debt. Our prayer is that the whole earth be filled with and submitted to Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for being with us, friends, as we read through the Bible, and we look forward to starting a new month of Bible reading tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments and you'd like to be in touch with us, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. Shalom. God bless you with his peace.